Let me open in prayer and we'll get started. Father, we just thank you for just this time and opportunity to get back together. Thank you for keeping us, um, all of us healthy, even with ones who've gotten us, Lord, we just say, pray you continue to protect all of us. Uh, thank you for Gil. Um, I know this is a very frustrating time for all of us trying to figure out what to do, what not to do. and So just help us to give us some wisdom through this and protect us and watch us. And as we continue now on this book of Galatians, Lord, um, we want to be a people who... To really live out who we are in Christ. To just make that our total being. To, as the light switch metaphor we were using, that we always keep that light switch on. Living in the freedom of Christ that you've given us, Lord. Um, and loving others through that. So guide us tonight. Um, may your word guide us. May you speak to each of us collectively, personally. May we walk out of here not just knowing about you more, but just experiencing and knowing you as our personal God who died on the cross for us. Watch over us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, please. Thank you. Um, So, you know what I like to do tonight? So we're, you know, we've taken a break. Okay. Um, and I thought that for us coming back together again, that probably what would be good is for us to really review, before we jump into 5 through 6, to really review where we've been and just sort of catch us all up. Because, I mean, I, I think I'm tracking at 22 weeks now <laughs> we've been doing this, which I just so appreciate you guys being here, sticking with us. So we've gone through a lot of the stuff, and a lot of a lot of people would sort of say, generally, Galatians one through four is really developing our identity of who Christ is and who we are in Christ and what has happened through Christ. In essence, presenting both the gospel, but it does more than that, as we've seen. Uh, where what we're going to see when we get into five and six is really Paul's going to really say, okay, given one through four, how are we all now to really live this out? Okay, and I think that's obviously for all of us the biggest struggle is this, this, this dichotomy we can have between who are we in Christ and how are we living in Christ. Uh, the dichotomy, I think, really between our identity and our behavior, where I think all of us are constantly in struggle with is are we living who we are? I mean, when we're in the world, we can live like the world, right? Um, but when we are looking at what Christ has done and we are a new creation in Christ, how is our behavior to, should always match that in everything we do? Seen, unseen, behind closed doors, no matter who we're talking to, <laughs> no matter what we're talking about, is there a um, it's, well, and I would think that's a good question. I think Paul says yes. I think Paul says yes. I think he, in fact, I would say, you look at the language, I would think Paul says yes, and he says yes all the time. 
And he says, yes, we can be that way all the time. Why? If. <laughs> and here's the if. And that's what we're going to get into in Galatians 5 and 6. Hmm. If. We can be that all the time. If we are living not under the law, but trusting Christ. And we do that in the Spirit. That ultimately it's the Spirit hmm. that is the answer to the question. How do you all the time yeah. live this way, and can you all the time? And I guess I'm going to say again, I think Paul would say, yes, you can. That's a good answer. Yeah. Um, I'll just talk about how sort of the difference between the really Galatians 1 through 4, we're going to, I want to sort of review again now as a whole. And before we jump into 5 and 6, 1 through 4 in a lot of ways is presenting the identity of Christ and who we are in Christ. And 5 through 6 is saying this is now your behavior based on that identity. Your new creation in Christ, this is now how you're behaving. Um, I was going to ask, but I didn't ask him before. Um, because I think, so what Jeff has been doing a lot is, and I don't want to speak to you, but I'm going to speak to you. That's all right. Yeah. So he, <laughs> <take> <laughs> the risk. he can correct himself. Sure. Rustling and rustling for a long time. In fact, a note to a pastor this week is a good reflection of this. Rustling with who are we? You know, not who are we in Christ, but who are we as this little church by the sea? Where are we going? You know, people want to know where are we going as a church? You know, what's our mission? What's our vision? What who what makes little church little church? And I mean it was a discussion I remember well, I remember having it before I left, but I also remember even talking, when Jeff and I started talking again, um, just that, wrestling with that. And I think we're getting, I feel like we're like, maybe we just got it. <laughs> and he said it in his note to a pastor um, that he came out this week uh, that really, I think, speaks to this idea of our identity in Christ and our behavior in Christ. Um, and so I think what Paul's doing is really what also we're trying to do as a little church. And every church, I think, has its own DNA. You know, we're not trying to be like mirrors, okay? Um, well, we're not trying to be like another church. Every church has the same mission to do the Word of God, but we all sort of it's like each of us are all Christians, but we all express that and look differently. I think as a little, as a little church by the suit, we have our DNA. And what does that DNA look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and so can you, you want to share just what that is real quick? Because I think that it matches real, yeah, that statement of what you think about that statement. Because I want, I've thought about that as we're looking at Galatians 1 through 4 and 5 through 6. So it just seems to hear you. Oh, yeah, no, I would be glad to. That was, it was a fun conversation with Greg because I was like, I think this is it. And Greg was like, that's it, that's it. Um, and you know, we might change it next week. But <laughs> we're saying, um, you know, you try to boil this thing down to something that you can like. People say, you know, your mission needs to fit on a T-shirt. Um, Come on. I mean, I don't right, but like to be able to kind of get your hands around it. But we were talking about. Becoming like Christ for the sake of others. What's the mission? Becoming like Christ for the sake of others. 
and we go, it captures both, like you're saying, both of that. Our identity, our behavior, like Paul in this is talking about this maturity in Christ, and, but this always for the sake of bearing fruit for those around you, right? So it's always pushing you towards generosity, towards focusing on others, towards sacrificial love, but yet it's at the same time this coming alive with your heart, freedom, and entering into all of that. So, anyway, that that was our... Yeah, which I think it gets really... Because it's talking about who are we becoming. We're not becoming like the world. We're not becoming like this person. We're becoming like this philosophy or whatever. We're becoming like Christ. Yeah, his okay. mind, his I mean, heart. Right, it's, yeah. it's him. And what does that look like? As in Paul's going to really say the same thing. Yeah. Okay, Jesus says the same thing. It's like Jesus says, you know... Um, Love others as I have loved you. That's the commandment. That's the new. That's the only new commandment you've really been given. You got one thing to do. Yeah. That's it. Okay. You want to love me? Love others as I've loved you. Yeah. You're done. <laughs> Simple. And for, for our whole lives, you know. Right. Paul's going. Not that I've already attained it, but I press on. You know. And so a lot of that too is like, I think this will continue to be our vision. Yeah. Constantly becoming more and more like Christ. Like. Becoming like Christ for the sake of others. Yeah. Who knows what we tweet there or not? Although I yeah. just think that's it. I mean, I just go, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> short, like, yeah. something all of us can really capture, something something each of us can help hold each other accountable to. Yeah. You know, which is what I really like. Um, well, you know, when I, when I see just uh, Jeff Campbell, Gilda. He wanted mass and Jeff and Chris Parker and put on mass. So is my sister Miguel, right? Which you probably all should have like put in our pocket, have our mass, put on. Right? Who wants any of it? There shouldn't be division in the mass. You know what I mean? And, and, And so what you're seeing when there is division, it's usually. A gift from God. <laughs> I say that because I found this verse in First uh, Corinthians eleven, I think it is like eighteen nineteen, where he's correcting the Corinthians for getting together, breaking bread, and they're totally out of order. They're eating before each other. The others are eating and they're drinking. And he goes, "I hear there are divisions among." He goes. These things must be so that those who are approved may be known among them. He's like using, I mean, Christ has got his eye on us all the time. Whatever, it becoming more. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's what. Yeah. It's tough. What is? I mean, what we're just experiencing with the mouth is it's tough. I mean, I make the decision, him and I talk about it, and try to make the decision, what do we do? And I mean, I think for us, we've always, in this group, since I've come back, we've always said we're probably socially distanced, we're going to keep airflow, but I'm not saying you have to put a mask on. If you want to put a mask on, put a mask on. We would like that outside, we would like that inside. There's going to be people there on Zoom deciding to say, okay. I can still participate, but or you wear a mask and that's totally fine. It's hard. <laughs> it's tough. 
it's that. Um, but anyway, so there you go. I mean, I think that's what we, I think that's what we're doing as a church is I think also matching a lot even just what, I mean, it is. It's biblical. What Jesus did, this is what Paul's saying we need to do, this is who we are as a church. Are we doing that? You know, um, so, yeah. Is Gil, did you get a hold of Gil? I just left her Okay. All right. Um, okay. So I thought that what would be good this week would be to look to, to tonight to actually read and go through Galatians one through four and go through the whole thing and just give us some, some big chunks of what we're doing and just sort of get ourselves. It's been you know what a month at least we've been together. But to get us sort of grounded and caught up with what we're going to be doing, because what we're going to be doing in 5 through 6 is directly, it's basically just what Jeff said in the vision. We are, this is who we are in Christ. Now we're going to be act this way. And so we need to ground ourselves again into who we are in Christ. Okay. Uh, so what I thought we would do is that you guys... Everyone pretty much have their good. Have your books. Awesome. You guys actually... I didn't bring my ESD tonight. Man, you have your... Uh, well, no, here. I have my Bible, but here. it's New King James. Here. So I, I won't write in this. No, you can write it. Go ahead. Well, I have mine, but I don't want to keep taking it. <laughs> <laughs> you can write in that if you want to. Oh. That's fine. Um, that's the next one. So... Please don't read the heresy that's contained in the New King James. <laughs> um, okay, so what I what I thought we would do, so here's a couple of things I want to do is is I've got it marked off as to what sections I want to cover, section by section. And what I want you guys to do is and and if you need a pen, there's a pen right there. Uh, not sterilized, I'll say. <laughs> so what I want to do is I want to have you guys tell me as we read a section what were the things you remembered as we went through that section or what are the things, even just even tonight if we need to, but what are the sort of the main points as we look at a section? What are the things that stand out to you? I want this to be sort of like you telling me his review. We'll see how well we did. As we go through this, you relaying to me what is it um, that struck you on this. And I, I think Bill, Darnell, you're, and Bob, since you guys are on Zoom too, feel free. I sort of can see you, but if you want to chime in, just unmute yourself and scream and yell and wave your hand and... Um, you guys can, you know, definitely feel to feel free to participate in that. Um, and so, so Bill and Bob, just put your thumbs up. You guys can hear me, okay? Good. Okay. All right. Okay. So does that make sense as we go through? Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. So let's start with the first section. Um, so Galatians one, um, one through five. So it says Paul, an apostle. Not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, 
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the well will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. All right, so what are your thoughts? What are the things that... What do you remember from that section anything that hits you, Steve? Yeah. And just that he pretty much like covers the gospel. Yeah. Yes. So quickly a few verses. Fantastic. So he actually is laying out the gospel. So what is the gospel? What's what's the gospel he's laying out the hey, Jason? Hey guys. Hey, good to see you. Um speech, yeah. Um so what we're doing just really quick, let me get you guys caught up, is, and this will be good, here, I gave you one, there you go, and you can take a pen, so this will be good for you, because what we're doing is we're going, we're, we are, we've got Galatians 1 through 4, and we're going to start on 5 through 6, but what we're going to do is before we start on 5 through 6, we're going to do a complete review of 1 through 4. Okay, so we're going to walk through. So what we're doing is we're walking through um, Galatians in sections. And what I want to do is have you, for the people who've been here, or if you've just seen it now, as we read a section, write down or what are the things we learned as we were in that section. Okay, so I'm trying to get you guys to sort of tell me that. Okay, so we just read, um, so page, I don't know what page it is, first page of Galatians. So we just read Galatians 1, 1 through 5, and I was asking, and so Steve was saying that what's great about this section is it just presents the gospel. Um, really succinctly. So where's, where's Steve? Do you see the gospel? Uh, uh, just uh, uh, saying that God raised him from the dead and he gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age yeah. according to the will of God. Yeah. Of God. Good. So I mean that that's pretty much it. Someone says, what's the gospel? <laughs> you can't get much um, you can't get much short of that. Um, to deliver us, and I'd, I'd like anybody else have any other thoughts on this? Well, just delivering us from the present evil age. It just it, it's got to be God inspired for that to be said back then, and it be true today too. It just uh, oh, that's good. Blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I like that present evil age part too, because it's like applicable. Like the uh, commentary talks about it, like. It's not like a specific period of time, but just like like a broad sense of how like uh, like evils prevailing right now because um, God essentially has allowed to, but Jesus is there to save us from it, so it's like still applicable today. Right. Yeah. Good. Proves that God's true through the ages. I mean, there's no there's no time frame. It's uh, forever and ever. And what age was Paul in here? He was in what age? The present evil age, right? What age are we in? <laughs> present evil age. And <laughs> <laughs> what does God do? Delivers us. Yeah, right? Yeah. You know, like that's like a, oh, what about this evil age? Well, he delivers. 
Yeah. yeah. There's nothing special about this evil age versus them. He delivers us. I love that. Yeah. Anyone else there? I had noted that uh, the, the who gave himself is an event which equals grace. Reconcile our relationship with God because of his love. Mm. Um, and that uh, Martin Luther's note on that in terms of the deliverance of sins from sin from death to Satan and, and uh, from the present evil age was, uh, and, and that translates into a uh, participation in, in uh, as citizens of the eternal kingdom of God. Good, good day, Thanks. Thanks. I was, um, I had someone from her church call me today sort of just going through some uh, hard times that started to just, just sort of like you know I say, go off about the whole election stuff and the politics and everything I just said you know what whether this person's in power this person whatever is going on in our history we've always been this present evil age and God will deliver us whatever's happening in the world today that's what you guys all said. <laughs> With an encouragement. The first time I was talking to you was like, yeah, let me, let's go ahead and deliver us where we're at. We have to get our eyes off politics and our government. We're right. We belong to the different kingdom. That's yeah. right. We have a different leader. Yeah. What's that? I said we have a different leader. Yeah. Right. With, with different laws. Law it with different laws. I mean, these exactly. laws don't apply to us. We're just to love one another yep. as he loved us. Yeah. Yeah. We're okay. Yeah. There's, there's <laughs> yeah, but the, something you said there that he will deliver us. I think uh, one of the wonderful uh, experiences of, of this whole last year, uh, roughly, of time, and being in this book. That that reality of not he will deliver us, but he has delivered us. We are delivered. And leading up to what we're going to be getting into, that that what does that actually look like? Mm-hmm. That, that to me is the that's the gospel. And and we've been put in a situation now where we can actually contemplate transcending what we're dealing with right now around us because it's it's so absurd and obvious that it's fantastic. Right. You know? It's, it's, it's wonderful. I was thinking about that, like, what if, what if Christ came down on the cloud, you know, when the economy was kicking butt and everyone was cruising, we'd be like, can you come back later? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, you know, what are you waiting for? Just right. Just stay a couple more years. <laughs> we're, doing, we're doing okay right now. Yeah, we don't need a delivery right now. Right now. Yeah. 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 Right. It just wouldn't nearly be as dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Another, another thing uh-huh. I noticed was he made it kind of a big deal about not being taught by man, but through Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. And God the Father. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And notice how he says that twice. Remember we talked about how it said through Jesus Christ and God the Father, and then says God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's really getting that emphasis there. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
Okay. All right. Let's do the next section, um, which is okay. So six through um, ten. And John, uh, you want to read that for us? Six through ten. Yeah. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in, in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Not that there is a, another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. Keep going, going, go through. For, for am I now seeking the <coughs> approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Alright, anybody, what struck you to <laughs> as we're going through that function? That's what we talked about, the light switch on and off. Yeah. And what was the word? Do you remember which word? Distort. Very, wow. Yeah, yes. Maybe, <laughs> when we talked about that, it was the, even the smallest distort, disruption, whatever. Like any change of word in the gospel, the light switch on. Very good, exactly. Yeah, turn on off, yep. gray area, right? Yeah. So when we think about the gospel, we sort of think, oh, well, you know, we slowly move from here to here, and Paul's like, no. no. Yeah. <laughs> On or off. Yeah. yeah. Great, Chris. Slave of Christ only. All right. And where do we, yeah, there you go. Slave of Christ. Remember when we brought that up? So where do we, where is, where is slave of Christ in here? <laughs> yep, very good. So remember we taught that we had that whole discussion on where it says servant of Christ there is actually Dumas, which is actually slave of Christ. And we were talking about how it's interesting how the translators Dumas is the word? Yeah, I think it's like Dumas. Dumas? Yeah. Um, is the actual word. But it's interesting we talked there about how the translators sort of choose, do I say servant, do I say slave? And I mean consistently Dumas is really slave. Uh, we talked about what does that really mean to be a slave of Christ? Yeah. So, yeah. Anybody else? Um, any other things that struck you in that section? I think verse eight, where it says, "But even if we are an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached, let him be accursed." Really mm -hmm. stands out because it's like, like we said, the light switch thing. But I think even in my own head and just my own life, it's easy just to slip into like, "Oh, I'm just going to justify this one thing." You know, that's, mm -hmm. I guess Bible, so that's okay. But like it's saying no, even if an angel says like something against it, like basically it's invalid and that person should be accursed. So it's like very rigid of like, no, either this is the gospel or it's not. There's no kind of making your own interpretation, deciding for yourself what's right. right. Well, this is right for me, if it's wrong for you, it's one standard. Yeah. Good. Good. One to gospel to be received. There's no other. They, oh, they're okay. Yeah, there is no other possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, 
I remember this is, I mean, that what you're saying there, Chad, is what, that's what literally was my conversion. So sitting in, I can story where I was like, yes, 1986, January 1986, sitting in a class mm-hmm. in Bible study on First Corinthians. And God just hit me like a, like, I mean, just so hard. I was going through Corinthians and I was also reading this book by J.I. Packer called Fundamentalism of the Word of God. It's not fundamentalism in the sense we, in a negative sense, but in the sense the fundamentalism of the same, in essence, this point was this Bible, it's all or nothing. And I had always wanted to just choose what I want to believe and what I don't. I like this. You know, I like that Jesus is like this here, but I don't like that Jesus is like this here, okay? And I mean, I was involved in the New Age movement, and I was a Buddhist, and I would be, you know, arguing with people about, you know, Christianity and stuff. And I remember, well, sorry, I got to that point, but I remember going through First Corinthians, and it was a, where we were in a section of First Corinthians in the beginning about the gospel, and it was just like, hit me. And that was when I went home and got on my knees and said, Lord, okay, yes, this whole thing, this whole thing is, I'm going to take all of it. I don't get to choose. You don't get to which, pick and choose. Which, which means you are Christ. And that was my hard part. I was like, I didn't really quite get it. I believe in God, but do I really have to believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins? I, don't, I didn't get that. And all of a sudden, God just went, kaboom! I'm like, okay. <laughs> so... Alright. Okay, let's do a bigger section now. So, next page, page 8, 11 through 24. Steve Doherty, you want to do that one? 11. Yeah, 11, read 11 through 24. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem. After three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I, was, but I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, Cilicia. And I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They, were, they only were hearing it said. He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy and they glorified God because of me. What's Paul doing in this section? What's he? What was? What's his whole? What he's trying? What's the whole point he's trying to get across? Well, he was building a kind 
credibility in himself? Or? Well, credibility in himself, oh, which is where he got it. Yeah, yeah. What, I, what I like about it is like, he tells them, he didn't doubt where it came from, which is pretty cool. He didn't go to anybody else. He just went to the wilderness and preached it. And that was pretty neat. Yeah. So I don't know, I think I wrote down, when he did this thing, like, he didn't doubt it. It was from God. He didn't ask for permission. He took the revelation and went to the wilderness and preached it. And I went out and preached it. It's pretty neat, you know, to be like in you, like it's from God. You don't have to go anywhere else and get an ask, is this from God, or do you go anybody else and get out and get it? Don't they think, too, though, like, to call yourself an apostle meant part of that had to do with being an eyewitness. Right. So his credentials were, like, suspect. Yeah, yeah. Right, because he wasn't one of the disciples, right? So people are going like, well, wait, where did you get this authority? And he's going, because it was Jesus on the road to Damascus. Right, so he had like, I wonder if like, that's part of why he, it seems like that's a common thing in his letters, to just go like, I'm legit. Yeah. You know, and you wonder if it took a while for people to believe him. Or was there like a process, I might be naive, I don't know, but was there a process back then to like to get some sort of like credible stamp you know like oh you're an apostle and I know it says here like nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who are apostles before me so you have to like go to that verse typically I think that's and then part of like yeah. listen to it talk and see oh that's really from God like they had to approve it I, so by him not doing that it's pretty well right yeah, I mean you can imagine he's alone in this right I mean he's an apostle but he's not with the, all the other apostles no. but he'd received the same message that they received Right. Yeah. And without, I think that's without getting that confirmation beforehand. Yeah. And that's a yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of the parable of the blind man who was being questioned by Pharisees, and he said, "What? Well, you know, why are you, you know, healing on the Saturday?" He goes, I, "I was blind, and I see right now." And so what Paul is saying, "I used to kill you yeah. and persecute you, and now I don't." And that came from the revelation of Jesus Christ. Right. That that's how it must to continue that like that. Yeah. In terms of 180 years. Yeah. I think it also shows us to remain like babes as far as learning. Never thinking you've got it all to you know. Because you can have something just a little bit off. You know, as you, and as you grow in Christ, it could be revealed to you. you know what I mean? That's why you stay in the Word with this posture of whatever you're able to look right? So, very important. Yeah. Uh, you know, going along with what you guys were saying, so Luke, if you look up Luke 1, you know, turn to, I'll just read it. I mean, this gives you. And, and you know when you're trying to argue, when you're trying to argue, when you're trying to discuss with someone who's not a Christian or even Christians, and trying to say why do we believe in this? You know what what's what's the truth? What's trustworthy? Why is it you know we we say oh well I believe this versus something else? And the Luke one, um, it goes along with what Paul's saying. So Luke one opens up by saying everything I'm going to tell you here is because of this, inasmuch. 
as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the, of the things that have been accomplished among us. So in other words, a lot of people are trying to piece all this stuff together as to what Jesus did done. Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. So it seemed good to me also, having followed all these things closely for some time past, to write an orally account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So Luke is saying, I'm going to the people who saw it, firsthand. So what I'm going to tell you is what the eyewitnesses saw. All right, And so, where do we get the story of Jesus, the Gospels? We're getting it from people who actually were there. And if, if you're writing all this, and all the people who were there saw it, if they said, this isn't what happened, they would, have, they would say that, right? I mean, if it wasn't true, the church, as I think N.T. Wright said, if Jesus wasn't resurrected, the church wouldn't exist today. Because... because that event happened, and if it had not happened, there would have been enough people to say it didn't happen. But there was, what, over 500 men who witnessed Christ risen, which means there was a whole lot more than just that, along with all these eyewitnesses, witnessing that he died on the cross. So, you know, you have this certainty we have about this historical event that's beyond almost anything we even have today with social media and everything that's going on in the world. Okay, with things. If it wasn't so, true, you would have to have mass spread generational collusion. <laughs> right. And people just right on the spot of what the story right. is. They couldn't budge. Yeah. That's impossible. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's where we get the certainty that you don't see in any other event in history uh, that happened. So, you know, right. so on, on the Apostle Paul, you know, being an apostle, um, I mean, with his previous life, position as a Pharisee and everything and interpreting the, the law, the, the way he was looked at in authority would he have been I mean he's kind of, people would have come and he presided around issues of Jewish law was he considered a, a lawyer? He was a fair well, I mean was there that position in that culture was dealing with a lot of those kinds of issues? Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's a good question. I, a Pharisee, like Jesus calls, it's called a lawyer in, in the Good Samaritan parable part. It's a, it's the person who has the authority of knowing the word of God and able to argue it. In essence, because he, I mean, he is also always looking for evidence. We're we're right. to live by faith. We can't please God without faith. But he's trying to present as much evidence as possible. He's yeah. not asking you to believe some made-up thing. It's not blind faith. No. Christians don't believe in blind faith. <laughs> we believe in something that really happened. Okay, so, yeah. Um, okay, and going back to that, just anybody else? So, yes, uh, Bob, go ahead, Bob. Yeah, I'm wondering, can the guys actually hear me when I, when I talk there? Yes, they yes, can. Sir. Yeah, okay. they all said yes. It's interesting because we're, you know, you say, gee, do you, do you need to flash your credentials wherever you go kind of thing? Um, it's interesting that Moses had that same problem in the wilderness. You know, Miriam and uh, Aaron come against him. You know, well, are you the only guy that can, can you know, speak for God? Can't we do that too? 
you know, and, and there's this jealousy that arises, right? And and, there, and God calls them out on it, right? Very, very much right now, you know, we're going to call you out on it. And, and so they have had a history in that culture of having God speak for himself and having God put an anointing on people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the prophets were certainly all that way, although you know, they, they received the same amount of respect as, as Jesus, you know. Now, it's great when you're healing us, or, you know, but, but don't tell us that we're doing it wrong. Don't tell us to come back to God. Um, what we saw in the previous verses, you know, I'm, I'm here uh, with the grace and peace of God as a slave of Christ. I think it's an interesting contrast that, that his usefulness, he used to see his usefulness as being a slave under the law. Mm-hmm. Which really didn't do any good for people, and he's realizing that now. I mean, you didn't bring the law to people and say, "Oh, grace and peace to you. I've got the law of God here, right?" So now he's got a different, you know, take on grace and peace because this is an act of God, not an act of man. You know, so they have their they have their own fact checkers, just like we do. You know, you made your um, analogy to. Uh, today's technology and, and all that stuff. Um, you, you get a whole bunch of people out there that propose to have an inside understanding of what a fact is. But it's just propaganda. And in the same time, you know, you get you get the Pharisees, you get the religious leaders, you get the people that had an investment in a system that had become something of man rather than being of God. And he was useless in that, in that you know, uh, position of authority of man. But now, with the authority of God, he is useful to people as a slave of Christ. Yeah, good point. I think that's an yeah. interesting distinction that we all profit by today that if you're disquieted by the the squelching of free speech for instance you know um, that you always have the grace and peace of God that can lead you with God's authority in your life because he has put a new heart in you and he does give you his grace and peace you've got that authority it is not for man. Well, so, I yeah, think they're pretty good at that using yeah, that we can use today. Yeah, good, oh, good. it's an interesting thing, too, that, that, that God has a call for us for unity, right? But that position actually exists politically, too. Yeah, well, hold on to that. Don't go there with that, because I want to get into that. No, no, seriously, yeah, no, I don't. Actually, like, but you hang, no, hang on to that one, because we're going to get to that later. So hang on to that one. Okay. Hang on to that okay. one. We're going to get to that. You don't want to talk about that as we go through. So hang on to that one. Okay. So, uh, and the last, just to close off this section. So what's interesting is that Paul is also saying, you people validated what I believe, that I'm the one, that I saw Christ in person, because they say in verse 24, and Paul makes this point, and they glorified God because of me. So Paul's able to say, look, all these things that I've done, 
has been validated because the very people knew that I had gotten this from God directly and they glorified God because of that. So it's a validation of Paul's ministry there. So, okay. Let's now do 2, 1 through 10. Um, Chad, you want to read that? Sure. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of Revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, who was not forced to be circumcised, uh, or was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of the false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so they might bring us into slavery. To them we did not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seemed to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Okay. All right. Comment says. Chris, you're thinking. No, I just said <laughs> I I like personally as a pastor seeing them try to figure this all out you know and um, I mean they've had all this revelation they're a part of this like really exciting movement and you get the feeling like in some ways they're winging it like what do we do this has never happened before we've got somebody coming it doesn't look like anything we've seen before and we have to navigate through this and you see them going, okay, we're okay. Like, um, make sure you feed the poor. And he's like, I was gonna, <laughs> but like, I'm with you. You know what it's I mean? Like, how that comes out of almost nowhere, right? Too. It's like, yeah. well, you just see sort of the. I I think I always love seeing in the midst of this. Obviously, God's hand at work, and then you just see people too in it. You know, and it's part of what I love about Scripture is you get both. Um, the brilliance of the Holy Spirit at work and all kind of the humanity that God continues to do through us. He's like, still working through us because we're doing our best to navigate. And I just love those little interactions. You kind of get this little window into the real life of these guys. Right. Right. Cool. Well, and then also kind of, to me, that, that little part there is sort of like him reiterating the fact that they had nothing to add to me. Except that. Yeah, yeah, that's all they could say. I mean, yeah. uh, in a good way. More. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All sounds good. Sounds like you got it. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Uh, I like the, the opening. Then after 14 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's a career. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, I was just I was doing this thing on my own because God told me to do it. For 14 years, yes. then I decided to go meet these guys. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's not like our instant society. I went instantly. You don't have authority. I went instantly. Yeah, I, I bumbled yeah. around for a good couple of months and then realized I had to go see these guys that was going to be legitimate. He had no, never entered his mind. He went because God told him to. Yeah. Yeah. It was set. Yeah. Well, maybe part of that that was like to validate him, though, too. He's like, oh, I've been doing this for 14 years. I didn't just all of a sudden come out of nowhere. Change and then come to you guys. Like, I have this revelation from God, and for 14 years I've been sharing the gospel, and like now I'm coming to you guys with some like really deep because I've been doing this for a while. Well, I don't think he, from what it sounds like, I don't think he ever would have unless God has sent him to give him a revelation. No, that, that, that's what I'm saying. Like maybe that's why God waited to give him revelation. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think he's building himself uh, a case and in the groundwork for for the circumcision. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 If you ever need a lawyer, he would probably be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how I was arguing his case. Yeah. John, were you going to say something? Or? No. no. Okay. All right. Anyone else? I just, uh, I mean, if you're, you're reminded of like what an unlikely pick Paul was. And you think about like. That's very much like Jesus, where he's going and picking the zealot and the tax collector and all these guys that don't fit in, mm-hmm. you know, and how he, you get the feeling like he picked these guys because they needed each other or something like that, too. So it's like confusing as this is, this is like how God works, yeah. pulls us into these kind of unfamiliar situations. Picking characters that people don't like. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether we're suspecting, yeah, yeah. yeah. the enemy is yeah. like now coming to join your race. Yeah. So cool. Uh, to, to me, reading reading Paul's writings is so dynamic, and he's he's not just telling a story, he's not just making a case, but he's also he, it's like everything's it's got it's got it's like a sculpture. Right? Yeah, it's got three dimensions to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yet, because of the false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out a freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. So, to me, so that we might, they might bring us into slavery. Okay? That's, that to me is, that's just, that's life. The enemy is always, from one form or fashion, trying to bring us in. Is going to slip in and try to bring us into slavery. Right. right. Very good. Take, take prisoners. Yeah. And yeah. Always. And it's just, it's like, hey, guys, I'm not just pointing this out to you specifically in this. This is just like, keep your eyes open and ears open at all times. It's never going to stop. I think. Yeah. All right. Um, let's do 11. Now comes a good part. <laughs> this is the whole story build this narrative. So 11 through 14. Um, Bruce, you want to do that? Okay. But when Cyphus 
came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came to draw back and separate himself, fearing the circumcision party, and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas, who led astray by their hypocrisy, but when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cyphus, before them all, if you thought a Jew lived like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews. That's good. You can stop there. Let's stop. Let's just stop right there. Now. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. What strikes you there? <laughs> just the hypocrisy <laughs> of, of, you know, them eating with, with them and then all of a sudden drawing back. Right. And Paul names it for what it is. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, he doesn't really beat around the bush. He just names the word. And he, and he, he also the other thing I think is fascinating here is that he, he in the previous paragraph where he's calling out who the true enemy is, right? Mm-hmm. Because he, he's not he's not um, being being. He's not angry. He's not uh, pointing the finger specifically in terms of he's identifying who the true enemy is and what the enemy's game is. Then, in this paragraph, he gets very specific. Right. Cephas. I'm not going to call him Peter. I'm going to call him by his Hebrew name because he behaved like a Hebrew. My opinion. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, certain men came from James. That's very specific. Certain men, being the Judaizers, came from right. James. So now he's just calling it out. Like, and I'm not afraid to call it out. It is what it is. Am I am I really being questioned as an apostle here? When these apostles were doing exactly opposite of the gospel? In fact, bringing the enemy into the camp? It's heaven. Yeah. I think James is Probably the one with the problem. Seems like he's the one that's going. Like, okay, well, okay, I'll give you no circumcision, but they can't eat me, strangled, strangled me. You know, it's like he's still like having trouble letting go of everything. And there was a debate because if we don't. I mean, we know they came from James. No one really knows what. I mean, does that mean they were really taking what James really believed, or were they distorting? No, right? I mean, it could be that they were distorting with James, and they were listening to James struggle with it, and then James their own. You can see James struggling with all of it. Yeah. Remind me, this is James, the brother of Jesus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The one who wrote the book of James. Right. Yeah. yeah. Anyone else there? Anything else? There's a lot there, but... Well, he's, he's just calling out that there's no difference. We're all one, right. one, all in, one Christ. in Christ. Right. All God's people. 
you had uh, noted, I'm pretty sure you don't know this, unless I did some really cool research. But um, when he came, he drew back and separated himself. And you had noted that, that the Greek word for separated is Pharisee. Yeah. Once yeah. you separate, uh -huh. which is fascinating. Yeah. That he would specifically use that. Mm -hmm. Note that um, here. So on uh, the, the last on verse fourteen, that word force. Okay, we talked about where there. How can you force the Gentiles? That word force is exactly the same word in. 2-3 where it said that we were forced to be circumcised. That we did not we did not let ourselves be forced. That we did not let Titus be forced to be circumcised. And here Paul is you know, using that same word again. Um, saying this is what happens with Peter. Um, I mean, I think what occurs to me a little bit is going back to the vision we were talking about with the church. If if we're going to have a vision like this, we're going to say, which is the biblical vision, we're going to say we're all becoming like Christ for the sake of others. That also means we all, each of us, have the responsibility to call each other out when we're not doing things like Christ for others. And we need to do that. I mean, we need to hold each other accountable for that. No matter, and you notice here, I mean, Paul... Is I never saw this until I was saying this part of Galatians. I mean, Paul is calling out the top, top, top guy in the church. Okay. I mean, he's not acting like Jesus. Yeah. Right? Like, when Jesus right. goes sit at the least table. Right. Like, that's where you go. Yeah. Right? And he's going to the high table. Right. To, okay. You know, that's, I mean, that's why I think <laughs> you guys can call me out. You know? Um, Jeff will let me call him out. He called me out. <laughs> I mean, we really have that. I mean, we've had situations where, we're, I mean, we're just, that's what I love about our working with each other is that we do that with each other. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's done it with me and it's not comfortable. Okay. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, it's like, but we need to hear it. That's how we're going to grow. If we don't help each other grow with that and call each other out. If you guys don't see something that Jeff's not doing, he'll, he'll call him out. You know, we're all to do that with each other. We're all one in Christ. There's no real hierarchy here. We might have different positions, you know. I might slip so. out. But then I'll <laughs> yeah. I'll be all right. Where'd Jeff go? What? Yeah. I think one of the key things is anything that causes division, he needs to go Yeah. Pay great attention. Exactly. Exactly. Right. When when did uh, when did Peter have this division regarding food? It was an Acts. So and this timeline. It was before. It would be before this. It was before. Yeah, this? It would be before. Definitely before this. Yeah, because it's earlier in Acts when he had to read Acts. Okay. Eleven or eleven? Yeah. I think at ten. I, I. But it's before this. Yes. Okay. So so Peter already already knows that there's not. That's fascinating. Yeah. And Peter was the guy who initially brought this to them. Yeah, yeah. And Peter is. I mean, they pretty much say would say this happened after the Jerusalem Council. So there's already the agreement like this isn't supposed to be happening. 
but now it starts getting lived out. Mm-hmm. And you see Peter slipping. He's slipping. You know, like we all can. If Peter, Peter can. We're like not peer a pressure. Yeah. We yeah. peer pressure in the church. Exactly. I think that's the great thing about Peter is he's just a guy. Constantly yeah. making mistakes. As we all do. Right. We're all going to make mistakes. Right. Okay, so let's keep, yeah, go ahead, you chasing this thing. For me, that was an important thing <coughs> to make sense of that last sentence, which is if you, and I, we've talked about this before, but if you feel a Jew live like a Gentile, because specifically as you're sitting down and eating, right? Right. Because you've already established the fact that you can eat like Gentiles. It's not unclean. Right. Right? Not like a Jew. How can you force the Gentiles to look like Jews in terms of circumcision? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. Uh, let's do 15 through the end of two. So 15 through 21. Any, many, my more Jeff, you want to do that? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. It's a recent week So, maybe just throw out a couple things that just strike you as we went through this part. I could barely read it. It's so (laughs) hard. We did. This was this was a lot. This this was like the meat of Galatians. Yeah, it really is. Uh, So, just is there anything that strikes you? Just just verse twenty. That's my favorite. In the life. In the life I now live, in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Yeah. I mean, why do we live today? Why do we get by each day? Why do we wake up in the morning? Why do we put up with the world? Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Do you ever have any questions about how you're supposed to live? Yeah. Smile. I just nice. I love it. Is that the key verse? You know how they used to do that? They, well, they do day verse. This is that's the so key verse. This is there's different ones in Galatians, uh-huh. but this is by far definitely the one. I think it's even the one Luther. They say Luther goes by is like the key verse. Of the the heart of the yeah. Heart of the book. Yeah. Um, anything else, you guys? It's just just things that strike me. So there's an important word in there: transgressor. Yeah. You know, that's a huge one. Don't slip back to you know your old ways. Right. Stay focused. Stay going forward. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's go. Bob, did you have something there, real quick? Yeah. The Galatians two eighteen. For if I if I rebuilt what I tore down and yeah. proved myself to be a transgressor, that's essentially what he called 
Peter out on Yeah, exactly. That's no, very good, Bob. That's exactly what he did. Rebuilding the and that's what happens when we start trying to turn the switch off, and we start trying to say, well, you know, in these different ways, I feel comfortable having a law. You know? And I'm going to put it on others. I'm going to judge others by whether they follow this or not. All of a sudden, we are basically, which I think, I look here and go, Paul's redefining sin in this passage. Mm-hmm. He's saying sin is no longer the transgression of the law. Sin is now when you try to put the law on others and divide because of that. Yeah. Whole different re- and and the, it's not just a sin. There's almost to me now there's something uh, my interpretation worse than a sin because what does it do? Is it nullifies the grace of God? I'm literally saying what Jesus did on the cross doesn't count. There's nothing worse than that <laughs> to me. I mean, that's the, you know, that, that's sort of like, the, we are, as Christians, we have a whole new definition of it. It's not about sin following the law. It's about, are we living with others in the way of what Christ died for all of us? Are we treating everyone as one in Christ? Gets good. So, yeah. It's almost like a rejection of grace. It is. I think it yeah. is a rejection. Nullify. Right. That's right. exactly what you just say. I don't really care <laughs> what Christ did on the cross. Like, whoa. <laughs> Satan had to be going, yes. I've got more sin to work with here. <laughs> you know, a whole bunch more. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's do um, chapter three. Now, three, one through nine. Chris, you want to do that? Yeah. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed and cru- as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, that he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, do so by works of the law, or by hearing with faith. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Ready to keep going? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. No, that's good. Right there. Yeah. All or nothing. What's, what's here? Anything that... Did you, uh, um, did you receive the Spirit? That's the, yeah. The first mention of the Spirit. Very good. Uh, the, the definition of being Christian. Yep, very good, very good. Yeah, this is when Paul now starts to do what we're going to see. This is the beginning of what we're going to see of Paul play out in Galatians 5 through 6. Which is, okay, here's the spirit we now have in us. Why do we have that spirit? <laughs> it's for a purpose. All right. And that's what whole, all of Galatians 5 through 6 is going to be that now this spirit living in you that you now have received it's there for a reason it's there as John we were talking about John you know it's there so we can always display the fruits of the spirit 
I mean, that's the light switch you get. If you're living in the spirit, this is what it's going to look like. If you're not <laughs> living in the flesh, this is what it looks like. And we're going to go through a lot of that there. Right. So what also strikes me is, is so brilliant. Having begun by the spirit. Yeah. Okay, so once you've received the spirit, so having begun by the spirit and not being perfected by the flesh. So are you, now that God is giving you the spirit through Christ, then do you think it's you get to just take the ball and run with it? Or are you going to just let, let that continue? Yeah. Or do you think you're going to take over? Which is a good way of putting it. That's exactly what he's saying. And yeah. does he who supplies the Spirit to you, and I love that, and supplies the Spirit to you, mm-hmm. it's a very human thing, uh, and works miracles among you, do so by works of the law or by... Or, and this this is what's where he, he's... Of our hearing with faith. Mm-hmm. So he's saying, God is hearing by faith, even. Christ is hearing by faith, right? So are we supposed to do this some other way? Do you like Christ? Exactly. exactly. Christ. Just as Abraham believed God, it was counted to him as righteousness. This is the whole fallacy, and I think Jeff, if I mentioned it in the last sermon or recently about um, just this whole idea of, you know, there's just that whole thing of like, you know, hey, we got a ticket to heaven. You know, I accepted Jesus as my Savior. I'm saved, and I get to go to heaven. And basically, this verse is a, this passage is addressing and says, no, you've been given this for a purpose. It's not just, okay, I got it, I got to go to heaven. No. It's like, you've been given this. For you to change how you live. Yeah. So. All right. Um, let's do three. I'll go ahead and read three. Um, let's see. What should we do here? We'll make sure we get in there. So why don't? I think I'll go. I'll go three ten through. Actually, ten through. Let's see. Um, Twenty two. Yeah. Did you do seven through? Uh, well, we yeah. just did. Yeah, we just did through through nine, nine right? Yeah. Did we? Yeah. Okay. Everyone? Yeah. yeah, we did. Okay, good. good. I'll make sure I'm not. Okay, so starting at ten, I'm gonna go all the way through to twenty-two because we have bigger section notes. Okay, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, "Cursed be everyone." who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. That it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on the tree so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through the faith. To give a human example, brothers, and even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say unto offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring who is Christ. 
This is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterwards does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions, until the offering, offspring should come to whom the promise had been made, and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Whew. Anything that jumps out to you there? A lot of stuff again. There's a a lot of uh, Old Testament references in here. Yeah, good. Very good. Yeah. Tremendous amount. So he's using a lot of, of foundation. And he's bringing those, remember, he's bringing those Old Testament verses together to really make a point, which I think the big point he makes is that you do a little bit of law, you have to do the whole thing. <laughs> so you better watch out. If you're going to say, I'm going to do a little bit of the law, you are now cursed to have to always do all the law all the time. Get to all. What do we want to do all the time? The law? No, 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 no. <laughs> but give a little bit. You got to go all the way. Is it all? It is an all or nothing type proposition. Um, even with the man-made covenant, I like this this way he structured that. Basically, you know. You can't you can't argue with somebody's last Old Testament. Just you know, it is. Right, right. Yeah. So if something Good. comes later. It's still binding. It's still yeah. Right. Yeah. Very simple. Anyone else? Anybody else see anything? See anything there, Charlie? <laughs> it's um. You know, if you talk about. Paul is a lawyer. I mean, he. This is certainly a legal transaction in his mind. He thinks that way. Yeah. Right. You know, even justification is legal terminology. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and that's it's helpful even to understand that a covenant and these promises, like it, it's human concepts, but you see how God really does honor these things, honors His word that He gave. Um, and when you're justified, it's like a gavel falls, right? Like it's ruled in your favor, right? It's powerful. Mm. Yeah. Good. Right. And, and uh, in that, uh, I've been listening to Luther's full commentary. Oh, have you? Oh, it's like, wow! It's like ten over ten hours. Oh, good. Yeah, it's been. Uh, There's somebody that made it into uh, translated. They agreed to do it, but 
translated into like an American linguistic model, and huh. uh, it's really good. But um, anyway, he was talking about this, this in, uh, in terms of the Jews' acceptance of this whole concept of the singular seed, right? And how they just yeah, it was like an easy thing for them to go, oh no, yeah, no, it's, too, it's multiple, but. Right. And it's also really interesting to see here his commentary on the, the, the table. Well, mm. it's, it's definitely worth listening oh, to. Yeah, wow, getting all three sides of it. Yeah, I didn't know there was actually an audio version. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a little aside, but you think about like Paul rebuking Peter. Like rebuking the public, right? Yeah. It's an statement about the lack of hierarchy that exists in this leadership structure, right? He's going, oh, if the top guy says something, I'm calling him out, right? And like, we're all under Christ's authority, right? You've got to assume, even though hear her, but you got to assume Peter actually took that constructively. Yeah. Yeah, constructively. It changed because, yeah. Well, don't you think he's going? Yeah. Turn up again. Yeah. Charlie, you want to read um, 23 through 29? Sure. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male and female, there is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to God. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Kind of good yeah. Game, what is Yeah. So do you guys remember what we did for this section? Marvel. Right? Hulu. Hulu. Okay. Yeah, so thank, I'm going to thank <laughs> I'm going to thank Apple right now because I want to show you guys something. Okay. So. Apple just came out with a new offering system. Uh, they just upgraded to 14.4 on iOS. What's the big deal on that? Okay. Well, that was today, just a couple hours ago. Greek. Okay. And what they did was they also updated and gave us a new watch face. Okay, now this is Apple. They gave us a new watch face, which is just so current for the time. It looks like Joe Biden. Well, <laughs> hang in there, because what, what, this, what this watch face does, and I'm going to show it to you right now, is it's called Unity. Mm. So the Apple has right. a mic in You put the, oh, yeah. the whole Apple down. I'll show, you guys, I'll show you guys on uh, Zoom for, for Bill and Bob. I'll put up to the camera so you guys can see. Slide it back on the Apple. Okay, so here's what it looks So I want you to look at this, and I want you to think this is... Apple's definition of unity. Paul is presenting here his definition of unity. Alright? So I want you to take a look. So there's what it looks like. 
I want you to just look what Apple's doing to sort of say how do they define a Unity watch face to sort of bring Unity to the whole. Yeah. Whoops. Okay. Yeah. Red and blue. Yeah. That's the time. All right. I'm in the dark ages. Well, it's it's what they call unity. Okay, so they're always trying to make a statement with that one. Oh, Bruce has got a calculator. Right. You got more than one color? Was it red and blue? Well, it actually is changing. Blue and gold, right? It changes. I'm walking around. So it just, it, right now it just shows yellow and then the yellow goes away and then it changes to another uh, color. Christmas um, I thought red and blue was going That's what I thought that. Yeah, it looked red and blue to me. Oh, I saw red and green. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to show you. So Bill and Bob, this is what it looks like. Hopefully you can see it in here. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. See that? Okay. All right. So I want you guys to think for a moment. It's two hours up. So what is the difference between the way Apple is defining Unity and what we see here? You what? I don't even understand what that was. So it's a watch face, and they're creating what they're doing with the watch face. And what anybody want to try to describe it? Yeah, I'm not getting it. I don't get it. I mean, numbers and colors. colors what is it? Yeah, then you ask me. I'm wondering. So, do you think? I think it's colors. Blended. What are they trying to do here? Everybody's seeing the same thing. Can't we all just kill them all? No. Man-made unity. It is man-made unity. But what? What is this? Bob, what is this showing about? What colors unity? in the middle? Do they make another color? Yeah. Okay, well, so basically, what they're doing is they're showing the time. Sure. And they're change, They're showing the time as multiple <laughs> colors. Those multiple colors are obviously are representing different people, whether it's blue, white, political, or yeah. whether it's yeah. racial, or whether it's ethnic, or whether it's whatever it is, right? Which all, but they're all separate colors. Okay, so they're all separate colors. So what would what would be what what would be the watch face for Christ? Is the what we say in here? Would you say there's none of those? All the same. All the same. same. Yes, okay, right. very good, Bob. You get just what just what Bob just said there. One singular shining star. So remember what we said about the hula. What did he say? Huh? What does Bob say? All the he same. He said all the same. Oh. So the difference here is it's showing you different colors and making the point that we've got all these different people of all these different colors. What Christ, what Paul's saying, I think, with Christ, is that in Christ, all those colors no longer are what distinguish us anymore. What, what is it? What we are now is one in Christ. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're not Jew or Gentile. Doesn't mean you're not red or green or yellow. But it's the thing you're looking at is the fact that we're looking at Christ and we're seeing the unity we all are in Christ. That's the difference between the world's view of unity. Amen. So Amen. I just want to thank uh, 
I I called up Apple and told them to release that today so we can have that. <laughs> 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 and it's but it's it's not saying it's not well, you're saying it's not saying yeah. these things don't exist. It's right. There's no these are not hierarchical right. distinctions of power or status or right. Yeah. Because they would have gone down and gone. They they knew what this if you were male it was superior to women female. Yeah. If you were Jew you're superior to Gentile. Free men superior to slaves, right? So he's right. just like like flattening this whole thing. That yeah. How you say it, maybe? yeah, I mean it's like I can look at Jeff and go, he's got long hair. Okay, I don't. Alright. Fine. And there's nothing wrong with me seeing that he's got long hair. That's great. Or I can just say I wish I had long hair. But if I somehow say, you know, I'm not gonna hang out with Jeff because he's got long hair or somehow my value is greater because I don't have as much hair because God doesn't have to spend a lot more time not having to count all the hair on my head. Okay? I mean, you know? (laughs) Anyway, but you guys see the difference? It's a huge difference. It's like we are one in Christ. And what we focus on is that unity that Christ and the Spirit is in each of us. That's why you're my brother, is right. because Christ and the Spirit is in you. You know, um, that's what we focus on. Um, so, yeah. So beyond focusing on, right? That's what we live like. Yeah. Create a body around that. What is that? What is? Does Paul sculpt that? Right. I, I'm not going to try to take the whole time to do that. Not But I do think, like, if you really like what he's saying is. You look at another person as if they're Christ, right? right? And at the very least comes walking in, and you're like, Jesus just walked into the room, right? Like, give that person a seat, or like everything that you would do VIP, right? It's like seeing Christ in each one is like this new, yeah. Plan. So going along with what Chris's favorite verses, right? Paul says it right here. I have been crucified with who am I now? Who is each one of you? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in you, Steve. Christ lives in you, Chad. I mean, Bruce, okay? I mean, that's the oneness and unity we now have in Christ. That's what we declare with one another. I mean, I think about, like, people that are frustrated, you know? I mean, we've... There's somebody in the church that like comes by, <laughs> like kind of creates a ruckus almost daily, and um, and you go, that's like the measure right there of your love, right? Yeah. It's like how do you respond to that person, and when they walk in, you're like, you treat them like Christ, right? Hard. Yeah. Really hard. <laughs> really <laughs> hard to do. Some days not as hard as other days, but <laughs> right. some days really hard. Right? Yeah, it's good. Okay. Um, how are we doing? We're, we're definitely getting there. I was wondering how long this was going to take. I guess we're finding out. Um, okay. I'm going to go ahead and read. I'll just let's. I'm going to just read all four. Okay. Um, and we get all the way through four. We get to the actually Jason's I think paper part of all the Galatians so far. <laughs> In my discussions is four twenty one through thirty one. Um, which is in a lot of ways when we went through that, sort of the, the climax of what Paul is doing here in Galatians. But let me go ahead and read through this. Maybe make a note, maybe underline as I'm reading, 
underlying anything that really just strikes you in this entire section where Paul is going to be using different illustrations and metaphors and coming from the Old Testament and everything and this whole idea of, okay, what does this mean that we're one in Christ? Well, he ends 29, 329 by saying, if you are in Christ, are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So he's really, chapter 4 is going to say, this is how that looks. Why do we call each other one in Christ? And ultimately, he takes that all the way back to Abraham. Okay, and what's happened to the promise given all the way back in Genesis 12. <laughs> that we are all now part of that promise. And fulfillment of that promise. All of us who have named Christ as Lord and placed our faith in Christ are part of that. So Paul says, I mean that the heir, so he, had, he ended 29 with that, saying we're all heirs according to the promise. And he says, I mean that the heir... As long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the day set by his father. Notice how Paul uses something in the earthly realm, and now he says, In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. This is what makes us all one in Christ. Because we all have a spirit in us, we can all declare it, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I've labored in vain over you, or labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me but receive me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by three telling you the truth? By telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. And then he comes into this just famous sort of allegory where he says, Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. 
But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through the promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from outside, I bearing children of slave for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of the promise. But just as at that time he who was born... who was born according to the flesh, persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Wow. Lock there. Anything that just, like... <laughs> Big section, but oh, <laughs> I've, I've written more. I know you. I know you've got it. Yeah, that is your life. That's definitely. You need to do a painting of this whole section. <laughs> We're progeny, and we help people give birth. <laughs> there you go. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I like this little, I mean, before we get into the point 21 on, it, it's up in, uh, in uh, 10, how he, he gives us a glimpse into uh, his reality in terms of his, his eternal consciousness, right? He says, you observe days and months and seasons and years. Like, come on, guys, get past that. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, that to me is like, oh, that's cool. That's don't let that be the dividing thing with you. Like, right. oh, you observe that, but you don't. So, hey, something's wrong with you. Well, that, but beyond that, I, to, to me, it's like that, that's the kind of food that I, that I yearn for in, in, in this sort of thing. It's just like, show me that. Where, where are you? Right? What's your, what's your perception of reality? You observe days and Guys, we've been given eternity. Get out of this earthly yeah. mentality. Yeah. yeah, look. Yeah, very yeah. good. Yeah, good change. Yeah. <coughs> I like the, the word redeem. Huh. That we've been purchased. Yeah. So what the word are you doing? Like, just applied you the sense of truth. How are you going to live? Yeah. Are you going to go back into slavery? And the big huge twist that happens here is Paul is, I mean, if you just, I mean, he's basically looking out and saying, you who thought you were free are actually the ones who are enslaved. Of course. Wow. I wouldn't be be surprised if he wasn't also using this, this, you know, almost a a slap in the face. Let's look at this allegorically. Right? He could have done a lot of things, but no, what he did was something that he knew was going to incite the rage of the Jews. Yeah. And I think in, in the other 
byproduct of that was that he was going to, they were going to reveal themselves. You know? So wait a minute. So you guys aren't really Christian, right? You're really much more, you're, wait a minute, right? Because they inevitably, they're hearing this because the Judaizers would have lost their mind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think probably Paul ran. <laughs> what he did after this point, but it's like, I don't wow. Him, I don't see him being a runner. No, I don't. But persecution, yeah. Blessed are those who are persecuted. <laughs> this would be would sure to be persecuted after the same what he's saying here. You know, Greg. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, Bill. Can you can you, can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes, we hear you. I just uh, I guess all this is the faith in Jesus and being a slave to Him is what frees us. Yeah. And uh, if we choose the world. And then become slaves to that. It just we're not free at all. You know, it's that relationship in Christ that, and that faith that sets us free and gives us a chance to be a reflection of God if God is so willing. Very well put, though. Yeah. Actually, good, good word to end the sign. <laughs> I mean, it just sums it all up. Really good. All right. Well, let's end with that. Um, thank you, Bill. Um, because we are now going to jump, just to give us, I mean, Paul jumps right into here. Well, we're, we're going to go in 5 through 6, which I think is summed up pretty much in 5 1. That there's a reason he has set us free. <laughs> we are now free in Christ. He just gave this huge argument in chapter 4. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. And I mean, I almost go back to where I began when we talked about, like, like, we're thinking about, like, when you look at the vision of the church. There's who we are in Christ. Who are, we, who are we in Christ? We are people who are given freedom in Christ. We no longer are under that slavery. But we're going to see as we go, and we've already jumped to it, and I'll just jump to it now, is that Paul's going to say, with that freedom, you've been given that for others. You've been given that, he says, for you were called to freedom, brothers, just like it's in the five. Only do not use that freedom as an opportunity to go back into slavery and live in the flesh. But through love, serve one another. Yeah. That's laying your life down for others. Yeah. And how often do we do that? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Always. <laughs> All right. Thanks, you guys. Was this valuable? That's sort of oh, yeah. 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 It was a good, good review. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Glad you were here, Bill. Thanks, Bob. Good to see you again. Um, and we will start on Chapter 5. Cool. Next week. All right. Um, Jeff, you want to close us? Yeah. God, thank you for your word. It uh, just feels like such a feast. God, thank you for all that we were able to really chew on tonight and pray that we would continue to as we go, God, um, and that these would not just be lofty ideas, but would we would take them in and they would become part of who we are, that we would uh, step more fully into this calling to uh, 
have the heart and the mind of Christ. And uh, thank you for your spirit. Just pray your spirit would be active in our hearts this week and that uh, we would see opportunity to uh, make your gospel real for those around us that they would see it like light. Salt. Praise Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.